Welcome to the VO School podcast, dedicated to the art, craft, and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Moffat. I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, welcome to episode 12 of the VO School podcast. Apologies if my voice sounds a little strained. I've had a day of voicing today, so uh, (laughs) I'm a little uh, delicate. We have an extremely useful episode coming up today. This is the long-awaited business episode. We have two fine guests, Tom Deere, Robert Siglin-Paglia, and they're going to take you through everything you need to know to set up and run a successful small business, which is what we as voice actors and actors do. There is an awful lot of information in this, so you may want to listen a couple of times and take some notes as long as you have the ability to do that. You're not driving or operating heavy machinery. (laughs) Other than that, I just have to tell you about the normal stuff. If you want to connect with us on Facebook, the address is facebook.com slash groups slash VO School podcast. And we are also on Twitter, VO School Pro. If you would like to send me a message via email, the address is voschoolpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, without any further ado, we'll get on with the bios and get straight into the interview. All right, here it is. Style. Power. You're watching the home of the NFL. The all-new iPhone. Reserve your Disney World season pass now. Through all the runny noses, three in the morning coughs. An all-new American crime story, tonight on FX. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins, and these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Tom Deere is a New York-based voice actor with over 20 years of industry experience. He's narrated thousands of projects for hundreds of clients in over a dozen countries. Tom's experience as a corporate trainer as well as a voice talent make him uniquely qualified to help both aspiring and veteran voice talents navigate the voiceover industry. Robert Siglin-Paglia is a voice and screen actor, producer and practicing attorney. He's appeared on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, A&E, Nat Geo, The Travel Channel, PBS, and others. He has worked on shows such as Rescue Me, Maury Povich, and 30 Rock, and is best known as the dad on the 2012 Chevy Super Bowl commercial, Happy Grad. He's also lent his voice to countless commercials and industrial films. Robert is also a practicing attorney and was named as a super lawyer by Connecticut and New England magazines. His book, VoiceOver Legal, hit the number one spot on the Amazon bestseller list of 2015 in the entertainment law category. Here's our interview with Tom Deere and Robert Siglin-Paglia. All right, so today I am joined by Robert Siglin-Paglia and Tom Deere. So hello to both of you. How you doing? Hey, Jamie. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. So a lot of what we're going to talk about today is 
US-based, um, but a lot of the same rules apply, I think, in other countries, but the specifics may vary. So I wanted to start out with that caveat. Um, my first question is, if I started as a voice actor tomorrow, what would be the first thing that I should do from a business planning slash legal perspective? If you decide that you want to be a voice talent from a business legal, from a business perspective, Rob will handle the legal, is um, your systems of thought, which is what I teach my students, is that you need to have effective systems of thought to then create effective systems of execution. Most voice talents don't know what they don't know. They mm. don't know how to think about what they're supposed to think about. And also most of them think like employee slash starving artist. I always right. say that if you want to be an effective and successful voice talent inside the booth, you need to be an effective, successful voiceover business outside of the booth. Mm. So it's the, the most important thing to being an effective voiceover business is to understand what the industry is and how to think about it and to figure out what your relationship is with the industry. Right. And where do you where do you get that information? I mean, obviously, they can come to people like you. But if like you say, they don't know what they don't know. Well, uh, training. I mean, the, I mean, there's people like me with the voiceover strategist and studios like Edge Studio that I, I coach with that can teach mm. you all of that. But um, our, our mutual friend, Peter Bishop, right. uh, British fellow British voice talent, always uh, gives me a hard time Peter who? Uh, because of the <laughs> subject matter I teach. I know it's shocking because he always says, uh, Tom, why do you have a business? What you teach is common sense. Everyone should know these things. That sounds like Peter. And Thank you. I've been working on that for a while. Um, yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I teach is actually, you know, common sense. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have your financial house in order? Um, do you know what success looks like? What does success mean to you as a voice talent? Does that mean being a voice on Family Guy? Does that mean being doing local spots for Uncle Bob's used car lot? Mm. Um, does it mean something in between? Does it mean being an audio award winning audiobook narrator? Once you figure out what success looks like for you, because unfortunately we've been you know, peppered for all our lives with the stuff of bad musicals and after school specials about what success is. They all say success right. means being, being a star. And if you're not a star, you're a loser. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's nonsense. Yeah. You can be a very successful voice talent, even though nobody knows who you are. Yeah. I mean, there's probably, you can count on one hand, the amount of uh, household names in voiceover, <laughs> if that. And there really aren't. There's just celebrities yeah. who happen to do voiceovers. Yeah. You know, Morgan Freeman is a, he's a, he's not a voice actor. He's a movie star that right. does voiceovers. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Robert, um, we, I started off this talking about, uh, the first thing you should do sort of day one, um, from a business perspective, but maybe you could bring in your perspective from a legal standpoint. Sure. Well, I mean, business and legal are hand in hand anyway. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty much the same thing, just from different angles. Mm. Um, I mean, first of all, just to, to um, uh, expand on what Tom said a little bit, if you're going into voiceover to become famous, don't do it. Yeah. Do something else. <laughs> do on camera. Do it, it's not going to make you famous. So yeah. that's that's an unrealistic, unrealistic goal. So I mean. Tom hit it on the head. You want to set your goals first. I always tell anybody coming in to set up a business to figure out, to work backwards. 
figure out what you're trying to accomplish with the business. And then we can figure out the best legal avenue Mm. uh, to set it up. Um, And then for the voiceover industry, you need to really learn what the industry is about. So anyone coming in to, to, to me as an attorney say, they need to know what the, what their business is Mm. because for the voiceover business, since I'm a voiceover artist, I mean, I can help with that. But somebody coming in, you know, that's a constru- uh, doing construction or something like that, I can't really help them with knowledge of their business. They need to know that already. Yeah. So when they walk in the door, then I can help them figure out if they need, you know, if they're going to do uh, what kind of uh, LLC or corporation they're going to set up or if they're going to stay a sole proprietor. Mm. Um, it's the same thing with voiceover. You need to know what the industry is about. And then figure out what you want to do with it. And if you're really seriously doing this as a business versus a hobby, you should treat it like a business. Because, you know, I always say, like, say someone walks in my office as an attorney and they want to set up a a pizza parlor. In the voiceover industry, you would hear people say, you know, oh, you should just stay a sole proprietor, be a sole proprietor, you know, until mm. until you start doing some work, and then then worry about setting up your LLC or your S corp. Yeah. Imagine if the guy came into my office who wants to set up the pizza parlor, and I told him, oh, let's see how many slices you sell first before <laughs> we decide to, to yeah. set up your LLC or your S corp. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, voiceover, you're selling your you're selling your your services so it's a business so unless you're going to do it as a hobby and we're talking here about liability and why you would set up be a sole proprietor versus an llc or an escort everything right yeah. not not just liability i mean liability obviously is the is the big reason because you want to make sure your business and your personal selves are separated mm. so that you you know you're there you do avoid some legal liability but everything taxes paying less tax right um Accounting, you know, when you set up an LLC or a corporation, it's much easier to to do the accounting because you're not commingling personal assets and and uh, business asset assets. So it's it, it's the it's the whole business. Um, someone comes walking in to set up a business. These are the things that you you talk to them about. Um, these are this is what every business person, any legitimate successful business person this is what they talk about it doesn't matter what the business is it's all the same right voiceover should be no different at all except it's a different industry i mean like i said i because i'm a voiceover artist i can help voiceover artists learn about the industry as well mm. but the business side of it is is pretty much the same no matter what business you're starting right so and that's pr- any profession too any doctor any accountant yeah any attorney it's 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 the same i mean there's only one tax structure here in in the united states so there you know there's one way to to account that that is the the recognized way so there's one way that a uniform way that businesses operate so voiceover artists should be included with that as well so as part of starting out as a voiceover actor you know you not only have to have the training and you know develop your skills um as an actor but also as an engineer and all that kind of other stuff but it's worthwhile speaking to an attorney and or an accountant that would be a, a good first step you would suggest absolutely yeah absolutely you should every every voiceover artist well i mean when you're doing training and learning how to record yourself that's the industry that you're learning about that that's right. that's your, your 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 that's your inventory that's what you're selling yeah so 
that's why you I mean that you don't if you don't have anything to sell you don't have a business mm. so that's why obviously you need to those things they need to be at the forefront because I mean that that's that's your that's your bread and butter right but the structure the business structure that's the part where you can you know you can you can play with it a little bit and figure out what's the LLC C corp S corp whatever those are the things you can play with a little bit but I mean it's still it's still needed you still need to file taxes you still need to protect yourself from liability so every voiceover artist uh, an actor actually really should have a team they should have their at a minimum their um, attorney their accountant and their agent I mean that should be their core team that they're in some in some cases a manager right um, that should be their core team that they're they're dealing with on a regular basis. Um, Tom, I'm not ignoring you. I have one more question for Robert before we move on. So, um, no, that's fine. I'm learning a lot. Good. <laughs> um, one quick question. If you start out as a sole proprietor or an LLC or an S Corp, how easy is it to change? It's very simple. Right. I mean, when, when you if you don't create any um, an LLC or a corporation, then you're automatically a sole proprietor. Yeah. So you need, okay. but you still need to plan for that too, mm. because you you should really get a tax ID. You should have a separate bank account, because otherwise you're going to get yourself in tax troubles potentially mm. uh, at the end of the year when you're trying to account to pay your taxes, and you don't. It, I mean, it, it's it's the law to have a separate set of books for your for your business so that you could be audited. Yeah. And if you don't have that. You know, you're already getting yourself into trouble. So you need to plan some, you have to have some planning, even with a sole proprietorship. And that that's kind of a default position. Like when you start to operate as an individual and, and start to collect money um, for, for a business, you're a sole proprietor. Right, yeah. So it's very simple to set up an LLC. It's very simple to set up a corporation. Um, it's very simple. The IRS makes it easy to even um, tax an LLC like a corporation. So right. it all depends on, on your income level, you know, when you're going to to figure out which is the best um, corporate structure yeah. for you. But I mean, to set up an LLC, that, that, those things are done thousands of times a day yeah. Yeah. By, by businesses of all kind, you know, like, like film companies, you know, cause I'm also, I also produce films now. Um, hmm. The studios set up separate LLCs or separate corporations, mostly LLCs, for every single film they produce. Right, I see. It's a separate entity. Yeah. And they, you know, the the studio, the the, the main corporation owns all of those separate LLCs for each one, and that's how they account. You know, when they're producing the film and when the revenues come in, that's that's how they account for it, and then they can just fold it up easily. Right. If uh, something happens, or if uh, you know, there's no more income whatever. So LLCs are very simple to form. Hmm. Voiceover artists can have multiple LLCs if they want to, if they're doing different things. Um, they can have one main one. And then like if they're producing, say, you know, because there's voice talent out there that produce audiobooks or e-learning or whatever, they could have a separate LLC for that oh. to keep their income from voicing separate from their production stuff. I mean, that's fine too. It, it, there, there's many different ways to set it up so that it's advantageous to the to the particular artist. Right. You know, so you save the most taxes and you know, 
and just make things makes life easier. It's not just for people who want to have a bank account on the Cayman Islands. It's actually for <laughs> you know, regular <laughs> <Corp> people too. <laughs> Absolutely, corporations <laughs> are designed to protect your assets. So if something goes wrong with the company that you're running, people don't go after your personal assets. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. What are the potential, you know, banana skins, or how are you liable? Well, that's the main purpose: is to protect your your personal assets. That's the main reason to set up an LLC. Yeah. From a legal standpoint, but from an accounting standpoint, it's to save taxes yeah. as well. So, I mean, there are many things that could go wrong. I mean, because I mean, what we're doing, the basis of our business of a voice a voice talent is we're we're entering contracts every single day. Yeah. So, contracts can be breached. Something can happen. You can get sick. You can your equipment may blow up. You might not deliver the file on time. Whatever, you know those are liabilities. So, you want to try to sign those contracts in your LLC name. And what you do is you form a loan out corporation. So, you you have an LLC and then you sign an agreement with yourself loaning out your services, so that all the all the pay comes to your LLC and all the contracts are signed in your LLC name. So your LLC holds all the you know the uh, liability, and you're you're personally doing the services. So, right. you know, if something happens, you get sick, God forbid, um, and you can't deliver. You know, you're not going to be. They're not going to be able to sue you personally. They're going to sue your LLC. Right. I knew this was going to be an intense interview, but my brain's already hurting. We're <laughs> 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 only like ten minutes in. <laughs> so, Tom, um, when you started out, what? What was the process for you like? Did you set everything up like this or did you sort of learn it on the job? Oh, uh, not even remotely. Um, right. <laughs> I decided I wanted to be a voice talent in 1994. Um, right. And I didn't get my first voiceover gig till I think spring of 96. And that was really before the internet was used as a as a tool for voice talents and nobody really had home recording facilities. Basically mm. you got your training, uh, you got a demo. And, um, I remember my voice coach when I got, uh, completed with the training, she gave me a stack of about 500, uh, Xerox copies and said, uh, well, these are copies of, uh, production company listings. So go make your cold calls and, uh, good luck. Um, <laughs> and that's all I knew. That's all that I knew. Right. Um, so just from a marketing perspective, I live outside of New York, you know, you wait tables, you go to, go to auditions, God, I hope I get it. And, um, you know, and fingers crossed and needless to say, my business didn't, uh, do very well for a long time. So I didn't even have an inkling of any of the legal or business, uh, perspectives, uh, how to be able to set yourself up and protect yourself, which Rob, you know, covered, which is very, very important. So my understanding of uh, any aspect of uh, being a voiceover business didn't really start until I read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, oh, yeah. when he started yeah. to talk about pay yourself first and, you know, have financial intelligence versus emotional intelligence. That's when I started to kind of organize myself a little more um, effectively and efficiently. And I've had a CPA for 20 years who does all my taxes as a voice talent. And, you know, I have a clean audit trail and all of that, all of that stuff. But um, it hasn't been until recently and say recently, the past 10, 15 years before any of us really even realized that you needed to do all of these things. Um, because yeah. most of the time when a, when a person goes into the voiceover industry, the, their immediate instinct is to relieve themselves of the responsibility of their career as quickly as possible. 
I mean that by mm. saying, well, as soon as I get my demo and my training, I immediately need to join the union, get an agent, and then they do all the work for me. That may mm. have been true at some point in the past. I don't know when exactly, but um, that's not the reality of it anymore. You are solely responsible for your career. The only person who's going to make your phone ring is you. Right. So uh, as voice talents, we bear exponentially more responsibility for our careers than we used to. Um, there's also exponentially more people trying to get into the voiceover industry. And, you know, as Rob, you know, can uh, attest, um, the, the waters have been ferociously muddied uh, for the past few years, and it's making it harder and harder for everybody to be successful as a voice talent. That and other things that are going on, you know, we could talk about the pay-to-play things and ca- online casting sites and Fiverr and things like that. But um, yeah. but it's, a. I mean... I wouldn't advise anybody to get in the in, into the voiceover industry at this point, considering how tough things <laughs> yeah. are. And I'm not saying that because I'm a successful voice talent. I don't want there to be competition against me. I truly believe there is no competition in the voiceover industry. There is plenty of work for everybody who will do what it takes to be an effective professional voice talent. Interestingly, I was thinking when you were just talking there, and you, particularly when you were talking about starting out and you had a coach and things like that. And after doing a number of these interviews now, I've realized, you know, you're not an island. You really have to have a, a, a team of people that you work with to fulfill these different, you know, things for you, be, be that marketing or, you know, the engineering side, but also the legal side as well and the business side. So, Robert, would you be able to define the roles a little bit of attorney, accountant, etc., and how they sort of fit together to be part of your team? Oh, sure, sure. Um, first of all, before I answer that question, I just want to I want to talk a little bit about what Tom mm, said yeah. uh, about the industry, because the reason we're talking about this today is because the industry has changed so oh, yeah. much. Yeah. And it's really, you're now it's, nor, it's non-union, mostly now, yeah. um, where before you had your union that did all these things for you and they protected you. Um, and now most of the jobs are non-union. So that's why all these issues, a lot of the issues have popped up. I mean, if you were just a union talent and did the big union jobs, uh, you would still would need to do an S-corp and things like that, but it would be for different reasons right. than under the, the current way that the, the business is. Now, it, you know, now it's non-union, dog-eat-dog, every-man-for-themselves kind yeah. of thing. Mm. Um so it's the wild, wild west, basically. It's a whole new industry that's evolving. So yeah. that's the reason we're talking about this anyway, to begin with. So it's kind of a good lead in to explain why you need a lawyer, why you need an accountant, because, I mean, your lawyer is going to, they're going to help you set up your business. They will be able to review any contracts that come across your desk. And there's there's contracts that come across your desk every day. They'll be able to draft your contracts mm. for you, for your jobs. If you get an agent, they'll be able to review those contracts to make sure that they're okay. Mm. When you get the, the big, the big gig from uh, you know one of the big companies, Disney or whatever, your lawyer will be able to review those contracts for you to make sure that, as Disney does, have one you know one sided contract. Right. You want to make sure that it's fair. It's fair for the talent as well. Yeah. Um, and and there's 
because the the business is so non-union these days there are corporations that are hiring talent directly and they're using these ridiculous contracts ridiculous tom i'm sure you have, have seen some of these things where they ask for like a million dollars of liability insurance and all oh, this crazy yeah. stuff yeah so like you know you need a lawyer that goes through these things that you know can can make these contracts fair because they're not because they're not written for voiceover. They're written for, you know, some contractor that's going to be doing internet stuff or <laughs> building, right. a, building the building or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, to, uh, about, and about that is that one issue in the voiceover industry is that we, we are truly a square peg in the round hole that is American commerce. Right. 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 Nobody understands who we are. They don't understand how we work. They don't understand how we get paid. And there are very few mechanisms available to uh, be able to accommodate self-employed, you know, entrepreneurs like us. We have no voice in Washington, for example. There's no lobby that advocates for sole proprietors like us. All the laws are skewed towards big businesses. There are small businesses out there, but... um. You know, with healthcare reform that's going, that's they've been trying to do right now, and tax reform that they're trying to do right now, we as voice talents just get hosed over and over and over right. again yeah. because there is no system to protect people like us because most people, well, one, they don't know we exist, and two, they don't care about us because we don't have lobbying power in Washington. So what things then uh, do you think we need to be protected from specifically? Oh, Robert, I'll let you cover that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before I get to that, I mean, just finish. Like, I was in the middle of like what an attorney right. does. Oh, my apologies. And what an accountant does. Sure. No, it's okay. So the attorney can also help with collecting too, because I've been doing a lot of collection things. And there's, I've seen a trend these days where, because like Tom says, no one understands what we do, um, a voiceover artist will do a voiceover that's supposed to be like for the internet for, you know, 60 days. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a year later, the stuff's on TV. Yep. <laughs> so, and you don't have the union to protect you. So that they'll, they'll come to the lawyer. I've helped talent collect their, their true money than what they're supposed to be getting paid in those circumstances. But that's another thing that a lawyer can help mm. with. As far as the CPA, the accountant goes, they do, every, they, they will run your, all oh, take care of the, the bookkeeping and the the tax uh, liabilities for your for your business. So um, they'll take. I mean, if you pay anybody or pay yourself payroll, they'll take care of taxes for you. They'll file those returns. They'll um, help you um, save the most money that you can on on taxes. They can help you like with depreciating your equipment the best way, mm -hmm. so that um, you know, like some people like to. When they buy a piece of gear, they want to write it off right away, but that might not be the smart move because they may be, their income may have been down that year or something, and then the following year they may get a big job, so they might want to depreciate it somehow right, yeah. so that they, they get a bigger write-off the following year. So your accountant is invaluable for helping you with those those types of things. Yeah, it's an ongoing conversation with your accountant really, isn't it? Right, or you know, if you get a job with residuals, you know, how are you going to... Can you structure some of it where you can you can you know uh, put it into some kind of tax? Uh, I don't want to say a shelter, but you know something, right. some avenue where you you don't pay as much tax as as you would if you just collected the money outright and put it into your bank account. You know you could put it into some deferred payment plan or something like that. But right. you know that's where that's where your accountant can really help save you a lot of money on on taxes and 
and help your business run uh, smoothly and make sure your cash flow is there. You know, all of those things. So that's that's what those. That's why it's very important to have the attorney and the accountant mm. that you can go to on a regular basis. And how do you find good attorneys and accountants? I know one. Well, other than Robert, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, you you want to make sure that they understand the entertainment business. So I, I, Tom said he had a CPA. So if they understand, if his CPA understands um, what a voiceover artist or an actor, what kind of deductions they normally have, then that's who you want to hire. Right. Um, same thing with an attorney. You want an entertainment attorney that understands entertainment law um, because you just don't want to go to someone that does like real estate or something like that. Yeah, uh, because they're not necessarily going to be able to help you with those contracts that we talked about earlier. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I would ask them if they understand like what is a loan out corporation because that that's kind of an entertainment term. Right. You know, those those kind of loan out corporations are set up by actors and, and voiceover artists. Um, so that that'd be a good lead in question to ask ask an attorney if they understand what that is. Then they probably can represent you. Um, Oh, that's good. As a voiceover artist yeah. and understand the, you know, understand the business. Yeah. So, and as far as some of the problems, um, because that was the question that you asked. Yeah. Um, some of the problems um, to look out for. I mean, there's, because the, the business is so muddied these days, I mean, you know, the usage issue, that's a big one. Um, that's one of the, mm. one of the things voiceover artists really, they really need to know where their voice is being used it's very important. Um, they have to lock down how their and their client has to understand that basically what you're doing is licensing your voice to them. You're not you're not selling your voice to them like you're selling a car. Yeah. You know, like where they take the title and drive it away and they can wreck it if they want to or whatever. Right. <laughs> they can't use your voice however they want to and whenever they want to. They're licensing use of your voice. So that's very important to make sure that your clients understand that so that they don't take a you know a web uh, piece and put it on TV for two years and not pay you because that's not, that's not your license. That's not what you license them for. But a lot of times voice talent do this to themselves because they don't, they don't define that mm. clearly enough. Yeah. Because you know, like like Tom said, no one understands what voice of how we get paid in the voiceover industry. They don't understand how it operates. Right. So that that's your responsibility as a voice talent. Either, and that's another reason why you may want to have a lawyer because they can help you with that, or an agent, absolutely can help you with that. Because um, they they can do those negotiations for you to make sure that um, your voice is going to be used, licensed properly and not not used and abused. So. And you're properly compensated. Yeah. So that that's one problem. I mean, there's there's there are a, a lot of different issues that are popping up these mm. days, but that's one of them. Getting paid, that's just a basic right. one. That, that's a, that's an issue every day. Um. So now, rather than dealing with the more macro issues, I want to sort of dive down and get a bit granular with the sort of day to day nuts and bolts and things. So, um, Tom, things like keeping track of your expenses. What kind of things does a voice talent have to consider sort of day to day? Well, um, what I've developed and I've had it for a really long time is um, I have a very simple, well, it's not as simple now, it's gotten more complicated over the years, uh, a spreadsheet that 
handles that covers every single penny that goes into or comes out of my business. Mm. Um, to be an effective voice talent is to understand cash flow. Mm. Cash yes. flow is one of the five areas of your business, cash flow, tools, technique, marketing, and health. Um, so it, it's relatively simple. I track every gig or in every expense. I track when it happened, any tolls, mileage, parking, office supplies or equipment, postage, subcontractor fees. Um, for example, if um, uh, if I hire a CPA, that's a subcontractor. Yeah. If I uh, hire a webmaster to build and maintain my website, that's a subcontractor. Um, any fees associated with anything that I do, if I have a subscription to a pay-to-play site or a, or a voiceover-related magazine like Audiophile or something, mm. any memberships that I'm a part of, the Audio Publishers Association, the union, SAG-AFTRA, obviously. And I track every penny that uh, uh, what the uh, pay rate is for everything, the currency, um, the form of payment, whether it's a check, direct deposit, PayPal, wire transfer, transfer wise, um, the invoice number, um, and then uh, the genre, because I do my analytics from this spreadsheet on what type of work I got. And one of the most important parts, which is the portal, which is what connected me to the end client? Was it a pay-to-play site? Was it an agent or a manager? Was it a referral from a friend? Mm. Was it a conference that I attended? Um, that covers every penny of what comes in and goes out. Now, um, for people who aren't as comfortable with that, there are tons of accounting software out there like FreshBooks, for example, yeah. um, which covers a lot of these, which covers a lot of that. I personally don't use those because I found myself getting too distracted with data entry that I was spending more time on putting numbers into software as I was to focusing on my voiceover business, marketing oh. myself and, you know, improving myself as a voice talent. So you found your own system was actually more effective than... It's more effective for it's more effective for me. Some people need um, something that does a little more work for them. Mm -hmm. um, my brain just kind of that's just how my brain works. Um, I also do use uh, Invoicely, which is an online in uh, invoice generation software, which also tracks a whole bunch of wonderful things and it works well with PayPal and things like that. But yeah, that's the system that works for me. And to that point. An effective voiceover business needs to develop systems that work for them, just like marketing. Um, some people hate Twitter. If you hate Twitter, don't use it. Mm. If you like with Facebook, use it. There are so many tools out there on a marketing and financial and tools level that and, and technique level. There's all different types of coaches that have different styles, and some may work for you and some may not. So to be truly effective in your voiceover business, you need to build your system the way that it works, you know, to complement the way that you think and conduct yourself. Right. So why do you go to such, you know, intricate level of <laughs> analytics, you know, when it comes to this stuff? I mean, obviously, you're going to use the expenses on your tax return. But then keeping track of where you procured all the work and things like that, you use that to generate more work? What I do with that is it's very it's a that's a great question, Jamie. It, I do something very specific with it. It tracks the results of my marketing efforts. Right. Yeah. So what I do is since I know exactly what genre all of my voiceover work is and how much money I made in each genre and I know exactly how I got the gig. I know that if, for example, I put together, let's say I want to do more medical narrations mm. and I spend money on coaching. 
So I have to get coached in that genre. Then I have a demo produced. That obviously costs money. And then I need to market that medical narration demo. And I do it via cold calls or postcards or a mailing. Or I maybe I attend a, a conference of some sort where I can promote myself as a medical, narra- medical narrator. And then at the end of the calendar year, I can look and see, well, how much revenue did I generate doing medical narrations and see what the ROI is of mm. all the things that I did throughout the year. Right. Right. Yeah. Very mathematical approach. And it makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Otherwise, you're just kind of firing in all directions. You never quite know what works, what doesn't work. I think that's kind of quite right. a normal thing for a lot what? of actors. One thing I tell all my students is that vague goals will get you vague results. Yeah. Specific goals will get you specific results. That's why, like we talked about at the beginning, I said you have to just, you have to figure out what success looks like. You need to be specific about that. Well, what do you want? I want to be rich. Well, that's nice. You know, <laughs> everybody wants to be rich. What exactly does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and yeah, throwing everything to the wall and seeing what sticks, you know, in my opinion, is not an effective way. And there are successful voice talents out, out there that have a that are truly agents of chaos. Um, and some of them do a lot of work, do a lot of great work. Yeah. That's just not how my particular brain works. I am an agent of order. Right. So yeah. I I need I need structure because that's how I need to be able to function in probably the most chaotic, unpredictable vocation I could possibly choose. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some yeah. grounding somewhere when you have a, a job where you just don't know where your next gig is coming from. <laughs> I completely understand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Stephen Covey talks about how you want to do whatever you can to withstand change while maintaining a changeless core. Oh, that's great. I love that. Um, so, Robert, I think I probably know the answer to this question already, but... Is your system a similar one? Do you have a similar, similarly structured uh, way of analyzing your income and expenditure? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not. I mean, I guess I am as detailed as Tom, but maybe I don't do the spreadsheet. Um, what I do, I mean, there's a couple of programs that I use all the time uh, that I love. One is is DocuSign. Oh yeah, you yeah. Put all your you could put all your your contracts up in there and get everything signed electronically. So I love that program. Um, Mile IQ. I started using that this year. I love that it tracks every single mile that you drive, and you can say if it's a personal or business. It keeps track of it oh, for cool. you because that was always a that was always such a pain for for me to do because yeah. I drive a lot in all my in, in all my professions. And since I have three businesses, I have I'm an attorney, I'm a voiceover artist, and I I keep my voiceover artist and acting revenue together. Hmm. So and then I, now I'm producing, so I have three separate revenue streams. So what I do. I have an account for each and I use QuickBooks online. And what it does is I can import my bank account information directly into QuickBooks online ah. and then create a spreadsheet from that. And I can also create spreadsheets from my bank account. So that's how I kind of cross reference them to make sure. And I can track everything that way too, to see where all the business is coming from, where all the expenses are going. You know, if I'm spending too much on advertising, um, you know, who my biggest clients are because, I mean, it's good to have a big client, but it's also not good because if they leave, then you're in trouble. So you, I always try to keep my percentages of where my income is coming from, you know, kind of uh, spread out. Right. Um, so th- that's how I track it. it. It's it's done. I could do it. Most of the stuff I do right from my phone. So it, uh, you know, like QuickBooks uh, online is right on my, my phone. So I could do my from my phone, my tablet, my computer. Uh, so, you know, even if I'm just... 
up in a plane or something and I want to do my my accounting and get it done with I could just do it you know right right from there so it uh, it makes it simpler for me but it's it's kind of the same thing that Tom does it's just I I don't I don't know if Tom if you do it manually or I, I mean I use I use technology to to make it easier for myself because that's that's how I need to do it I use technology a lot. The spreadsheet just seems to really work very well for me. And I also use DocuSign for uh, for contracts, and I use Invoicely to generate the software. When it comes to contact management or CRM, customer relation management, uh, I only use Gmail uh, for the same reason that I don't use accounting software. I just found myself spending right. so much time in what uh, our fellow voice talent, Pam Tierney, calls administrivia. Yeah. Um, right. Which is which is, you know, getting caught up in all these um, busy work tasks that make you feel like you're doing something important, but you're really just wasting your time. Um, I also feel the same way about auditioning too much. A voice talent who audition too much are actually wasting their time and damaging their business. I agree. Right. Yeah, I yeah. like Gmail and I forget Google Calendar is huge. Like I use that. That's like that's like the heart of my system. So, uh, yes, I use Google Calendar every day and I use a paper planner as well. I've learned that redundancy when it comes to scheduling and um, managing uh, invoices is critical because even with all those systems in place, stuff still falls through the cracks. Cracks. You got to be really, right. really careful. Yeah. Right. So Tommy, you mentioned very briefly CRM there, and it's something if you've been in uh, business for a while, you'll see crop up. Can you just drill down and explain what that is? Sure. Uh, CRM is short for customer relation management. And basically, it's just a way of keeping uh, track of all of your contacts. For voice talents, it's basically, I guess, three groups. It's potential clients, existing clients, and then I guess we'll call them vendors, other products and services that you need to maintain your voiceover business, your lawyer, right. your CPA, your webmaster, all of their information so you can get in touch with them very quickly. Um, there are a lot of great different types of CRM out there. Um, our good friend Brad Newman is uh, perfecting one right now called upper level crm and it's gotten rave reviews mm. um so i know that a lot of us voice talents will be uh using that in the near future i'm actually up for giving it a uh, a try yeah and i asked him specifically does it work with google and he said yes so if it can ah, if it can synchronize with my gmail nice. account where all of my contacts are then yeah i'm definitely going to um definitely going to give it a try yeah yeah and do you use crm robert uh, I do. I I do the same thing that uh, Tom does. I use um, Gmail. It's in my Gmail. It's in my phone. Right. Um, and then Evernote. Evernote. I love that program too. Yes. Because you can take a picture. You could just take a picture of someone's card, and all the information loads up. So I love I love Evernote for that. Yeah. To, um, for for that reason. Right. So now I want to talk a little bit about uh, the least sexy thing possibly I could be talking about, which is pension and health insurance. <laughs> now, when you're self-employed. This stuff is a real pain in the ass, <laughs> to put it rightly. Um, so, Robert, how what would you suggest for setting up things like that when you're a non-union um, actor or if you're union but you don't make the grade for getting on the pension and health? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're in the union, you want to make enough so that you can get into that great pension and health system that they have. But uh, if you're non-union, this is where your CPA comes in because this is where they can set up... Um, you know, when I was talking about the tax shelters earlier, that's what I was talking about. They could set up deferred programs where um, uh, you can um, buy your health insurance through your company um, and you get to write all that off 100%. Yeah. You set up a retirement account and which retirement account you set up 
like that that's where you can play um you know there's all different kinds um you know there's you know 401ks there's seps there's uh 10 or 12 probably out there different ones um and it's gonna depend on how much you want to put into it and how much you earn so that's where it's key to get your cpa involved and sit down and figure out which is the best retirement plan Mm. for you to set up as a self um self-employed individual and uh, health insurance i mean health insurance is it's it's in a state of flux right now so you know with obamacare if is it in is it out who knows i mean but whatever plan if you can get onto a group group some kind of group plan yeah um you can you can at least write off the the premiums which you know that that's one advantage that we do have being a, a, a you know a small business is we can write off 100 percent of the the premiums for health right um, which is usually a good tax advantage we do so, have another benefit which is the ability to open a health savings account right i was going to mention that too go for it tom uh, oh sure it's funny i was just talking about this just last night in my money management class that i taught um so this is all fresh in my uh head um a health savings account which by the way is completely separate from whatever uh health insurance that coverage that you have they're two separate entities um a health savings account functions almost exactly like an ira you can uh, put money in it it bears interest you have a maximum amount of money that you can put into it every year just like an ira i believe an ira right now the maximum you can put in a calendar year is five thousand five hundred dollars. Mm. Um, I believe it's three thousand four hundred fifty dollars that you can put into um, an HSA in any calendar year, and you can use it to cover all of your medical expenses, with the exception of non-prescription drugs and covering your health insurance premiums. What makes it extra wonderful is that it's what I like to call pre-pre-tax for voice talents. So right. if you're a nine-to-fiver, you're, you know, your, your income gets taxed before you get it and then you do something with it. So then you put it in your HSA and then you know that already taxed money is protected from being taxed further. But with um, a voice talent, most of the time when we get paid, we get um, uh, no withholding on our taxes, and then they send us a 1099 at the end of the year, and then we pay taxes on it. Yeah. So you can take that money before it gets taxed and put it into the HSA. So it kind of gets double coverage from uh, being taxed. I'll put it to you this way. I set up my first HSA at the end of last calendar year, and my CPA told me that was the difference between me owing the government and the government owing me. Wow. Right. Yeah. You could set up a flexible spending account too. So um, that's something you need to talk to your accountant about because they have different, um, there's different amounts that you can put in. And I, one of them, I forget, one of them doesn't roll over to the next calendar year and one of them does. So that, you know, those are the kind of details that you, your accountant and, and you as your, as a talent can decide which is best. Mm-hmm. And you can use those to pay your, your um, the co-pays and things like that. So you you know depend you can also use it to to get like a high deductible insurance plan and then use the money that's in that account to pay those deductibles. Oh, right. So and then at the end of the year you just account that money and say well it was in this this uh, what did you call it H health savings account um, mm-hmm. and it's not taxed or taxed at a lower rate. That's right. Oh, that's it's pre-tax. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, pre-tax. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so I'd like to move on now and talk a little bit about how to operate as 
a voice actor or just an actor in general where your gigs are so inconsistent, particularly when you start. You may have a good month, you might book a few gigs and, and they're, they're well paid, and then you might go weeks without work. So what are some good tactics for dealing with that financially? To be an effective business is to have uh, assets. Mm. I advise that um, all, I advise this to the voice talents that I work with last night in the class that I taught is that a business should have at least one to two months worth of expenses uh, that can be covered in their business checking account. And personally, you should have six months of pers- of expenses to cover your personal expenses in case, you know, because we do have, you know, ups and downs. Unfortunately, the vast majority of voice talents that try to get into this business don't have any money. Right. Um, and what's worse than that, they're impatient. Mm. You know, they're dying to get out of their nine to five job. They're dying to quit wherever they are. Maybe they just retired. Maybe they got fired or laid off. And, um, you know, I mean, nobody's it's like nobody's qualified to be president of the United States. Nobody's ready to be a voice talent. Right. <laughs> you know, um, because, you know, you, you're not going to be a good voice talent until you're a voice talent and you can't, you know what I mean? So it's a real chicken in the egg thing, yep. but you can, you can protect yourself legally like Roberts talked about, and you can also protect yourself financially. But I've learned that, well, also since interest rates have been, you know, horrible since, you know, for the past 10 years or so, it's extraordinarily difficult for any, for your average person to be able to save that taxed money that you have. Yeah. I mean, interest rates, there are savings accounts with interest rates of 0.01%. And, you know, the banks are smiling. That's because they don't care about us anymore um, when it comes to investing in their bank. They use higher end big things to be able to make their money off of and mortgages and things like that. Yeah. So for some reason, savings accounts, they don't care about anymore. They just don't. I opened a savings account five years ago. It was 5% interest. Now it's 0.75% interest. Oh. And it's the best interest rate that I can find. Yeah for a regular savings account. It's, 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 it's horrible. Mm. Um, so, you know, the best thing you can do is to take your time, get your training, save your money. Don't jump into this business until you're, until you're ready for it. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I've been self-employed now for most of my working life and that's just the way that any business is. It doesn't matter what it Mm. is. If it's, attorney if it's if it's acting if it's uh, production it doesn't matter you're you're you know even in the pizza parlor you're you're gonna get times where you you you're in uh not making any money you're you're making very little um you know it comes in spurts so what you have to do you have to be disciplined enough that when you when you're making all this money and it's coming in and you're like woohoo bonanza <laughs> Don't spend it yeah. all. Yeah. Put, put some of it away because you know a month down the road or two months down the road, you're not going to be making that, that kind of money. It's just, it's just the way that it works. It, Plus, you might have a big tax bill like months down the line. Well, exactly. you got to put money away for taxes too. But what I do for that is um, I use uh, one of the payroll services, either ADP or paychecks, mm. and I pay myself regularly. And so, and they, they, take them the, they withhold the money oh. and send it to the, send that in for me to the state to the IRS so that that that's how I I, I lessen the amount that I, I owe at the end of the year and I don't have to pay estimated taxes because I get it withheld so that's how I get around I make sure that there's money there for that oh. that's how I handle that oh that's good to know um, but you but it's you know like when you have to pay your mortgage obviously and you you know you had made you haven't made any money for the first two weeks of the of the month 
you need to have the money there to be able to pay the, the mortgage. Yeah. So that's why, you know, when the money's coming in and it's it's coming in a lot and, and you'll have those times where you get the great big jobs and you, you know, you're making a lot of money. You have to fight the temptation to like go buy a car or, you know, spend it. You have to just, you have to take some of it and put it away so that in two weeks when your mortgage is due and you're not, you haven't made any money. You, you'll have the money to, to pay the mortgage. So, I mean, it's a terrifying life if you don't have that contingency there just as a backup at all times, just knowing that you can, you don't have to take on every single gig or you don't have to be, you know, a slave to whatever job that you're doing at any one time. It gives you a bit of um, leverage. Yeah. I mean, it, it is terrifying. And the one thing that I, that I always tell myself though, is that I know I'm going to make I know it's going to come back in again. Yeah. You know, if, if I was able to draw a graph on, on how my income comes in based on, on the numbers, you know, it would be a curvy up and down yeah. graph. <laughs> I mean, it, it would, it would, it would be, it, it's, it's just amazing how it works. And it's, it's, and you can't really predict when those times, like you would think like around the holidays is slow, but that's not always the case. No. Sometimes it's really busy. That's right. So like it's, 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 it, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but you just know that if you're slow now, and especially if you start, if you just start marketing yourself, like during those slow periods, you you know that the money is going to come start coming in at some point, yeah, in the near future. And it's just it, you just have to you just have to trust that, yeah. And it, it, you know, if if you have all the the um, systems in place, that it, it will it will happen. To make things even more fun is that you different clients pay you in different intervals. Yeah. I have a I have clients who pay me before I do the gig. I have pay clients who pay me as soon as I do the gig. I have pl- clients that pay me one week later, two weeks later, one month later, forty five days later, sixty days later, ninety days later. Yeah, and they pay me via check, direct deposit, wire transfer, PayPal, and transfer wise, and they pay me in different currencies. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> So, or then, of course, of course, when you have a bill due, you'll, that's when you probably have the most receivables. Too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's kind of the way it works. Right. We're getting to the end here, so I, w- I want to sort of start to wrap things up. But you just touched on their currencies. Do you uh, invoice in dollars and then receive uh, the converted amount, or do you uh, invoice in the local currency? Um, it depends on the client. I have European clients that uh, pay me in euros, so I bill them in euros. Mm. And I have European clients that pay me in dollars, and I invoice them in dollars. Right. Um, and then, and then it's my job. And this is another thing that we have to keep track of: is to keep an eye on the currency exchange to make sure that you know whatever rate you've agreed upon to get paid for any given gig is commensurate with what the Amer- what you know how it translates into US dollars. Yeah. Um a few years ago I was negotiating with a Canadian client all of my other Canadian clients paid me in US dollars we were saying dollars 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 right. and then they paid me in Canadian dollars. Yeah. And then I got less because, you know, the U.S. dollar is stronger than the Canadian dollar. Yeah. So lesson learned. Not as bad as the Australian dollar, though, which I've oh, really? noticed. Yeah, I get. I, I agreed oh. something with an Australian company. I was like, hang on a minute. Got the wrong dollar. It was quite weak. I was yeah. quite surprised. Yeah, it was just, yeah, incompetence on my part. 
Well, that's why communication with your clients is one of the most important things that you can do. One mm. thing that I do every time I acquire a new client is they I send them um, an email, and it's called "You Hired Me." Awesome, and basically it's a service guarantee, and it it, it it's as comprehensive as it possibly can be to cover every aspect of the production, everything from did this script get cleared through legal to here's my retake policy, to please make sure I have the proper contact info info so I can invoice you properly, and everything in between. Mm, great. And how does that work with you, Robert? Do you, uh, do you have a system in place? Do you have a document that you send out to, to clients? Um, I have a contract, right, and that's where I have it on DocuSign so that they just have to put hit the little box and it's signed and, and that's it. So um, it, for, for legal work, you know, you're, you're supposed to get it, a retainer agreement in every case, unless it's work that you've, unless you have a client that you've, you're doing repeat work for, then you don't need to do it for every job. Right. So I try to do the same thing with, with voiceover, um, when I'm doing that. And I do mostly us dollars. I've done a few where I, you know, your, um, euros, but not, it's mostly us dollars for me. So I don't have that issue that much. Okay, cool. Um, so I have, one more question for Robert, which I want to say for the very end here. Um, so before we get to that, um, do you guys have any final thoughts on advice for people just starting out and running a small self-employed business? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not fair, because if I took that advice, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, and I'm as happy as I could possibly be. Yeah. Um, my advice is to do your research, get proper training, and make sure that you have every aspect of your voiceover business in place as much as you can. Understand your cash flow, have effective tools, make sure you develop your technique, have a marketing plan, make sure you know how to brand yourself, and make mm. sure that you know how to set and achieve goals. Right. Yeah, I mean, my advice is to talk to as many, as many independent business people as you can so you can figure out what you're getting into and figure out if it's right for you. I mean, I am a big advocate of people not working for corporations because I think that there's no security there. Right. You know, people work for corporations and they say, oh, I'm secure. But I think, I mean, my wife has worked for cor three cor corporations all her life, three of them, and each one of them have, have laid her off. Right. So I am a big advocate of starting your own business because even though the money may not come in weekly at a nice paycheck, it's more security for you if you do it properly and you're hustling. So, but there's a specific mindset to be running a successful business. Um, you know, and Tom talked about a lot of a lot of it. Uh, you you need to do the paperwork, get the jobs, get the jobs done on time. You know, there, there's there's a specific skill set. So if the more businesses you talk to, the more independent business owners. And if you want to get to a uh, voiceover work, talk to voiceover artists to, to see what is what it is that we do on a day-to-day -day basis to see if it's right for you. Because it's not right for everybody. Some people like to be employees, like to be told the tasks that they need to do, hmm. get their paycheck at the end of the week, and they're fine. And other people are more entrepreneurial. And you know that's what it takes. It takes the entrepreneurial spirit to be to run a successful business. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. You're not going to be able to pay your bills, and you don't want to be in that position. Right. So if it's right for you, it's very secure. Um, it's more secure than working for a corporation. So that's my advice. Talk to as many business owners as you can. I love it.
that's that's fantastic. Thank you to you both. Um, I want to finish up really quick. Uh, Robert, you are on a Super Bowl advert. That's the coolest thing. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us about how you got it and what that was like and what the after effects were? Sure. I mean, it's 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 kind of like a a, a typical story that you'd hear in in the entertainment business where um, I had done a play, uh, an off Broadway play, and um, the actress that I did the play with gave, uh, called me up one day and asked me if I wanted to play a, a dad in this. Uh, commercial yeah and the commercial it was it was a spec thing that was going to be uh if uh, the winner would be it would be played at the london film festival and it was for chevy yeah so you know i, I was like sure you know I'll, I'll be glad to do it um and after i read the script i i said this is great so i definitely gave the thumbs up um and then we we shot the commercial uh and Chevy loved it so much that they put it in their contest for the Super Bowl. <laughs> they took it out of the London Film Festival, put it in their Super Bowl contest, and it won. It, it got voted the, you know, the the most popular by the fans, and then it ended up playing on the Super Bowl. That's amazing. And so that that turned into a SAG gig. Oh so man! I got I got paid you know SAG wages for that, um, and the after effects are still happening. It opened that that. That commercial opens so many doors for me. Really, um, you know, because it gives it gives me a little credibility. So, because uh, I've done something, quote unquote. <laughs> so you know, it it opens doors. So you know, since you know my my career's taken a big turn since since that time, and you know, it was all because I had done a play with another actress who, you know, we we liked each other's work, and she recommended me, and that's how it end. That's how it worked out. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. So uh, thank you, Tom and Robert. I really appreciate you spending the time today talking to me about all this stuff. And you really didn't make it seem too intimidating, even though it was slightly brain hemorrhaging inducing. <laughs> I should have tried harder then. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot to think about. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so thanks, thanks both of you. Thank you. No, thanks. Okay, there we are. Thank you, Tom and Robert, for all that. There was a ton of information in there that I didn't absorb on first listen when I was actually in the interview. Um, listening back, I got so much more from it. If you're anything like me, a certain amount of paranoia will have cropped up throughout that interview, uh, realising how much you do or don't do that's correct. <laughs> I think it's uh, a good motivation to institute some changes and you know it's never too late to uh, do the right thing so listen to what both Tom and Robert were saying there and maybe start the new year with a whole new system and a way of conducting your business so if you have any questions on that or any other subject relating to voiceover feel free to post them on the Facebook group Again, that address is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast. And everyone who's appearing on the podcast will be connected to that group. So you can reach out directly if you have something specific. We have now closed the brand audit competition, Celia Siegel's competition, and we'll be announcing the winner shortly. And this week on the sister podcast, In the Envelope, we have an interview with James Franco. So if you're a fan of his, definitely listen out for that. That's really, really good. Lots of acting advice there, so check that out. 
Okay, that's it for me. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you to this week's guests. Thanks also to our sponsor, J. Michael Collins, social media support from Chris Sharps and Backstage Magazine. Join us next week for another class.